Welcome to TA1. Everything you always wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, and this is um, Airport Episode 1. I am in the Rapid City Regional Airport, getting ready to fly to Dallas and then off to Iceland with my friend James. So um, I'm going to try and get this episode with Chad up. And one more with Maria that we'll post a little bit later. Um, so hopefully this will all work, but don't hold your breath. <coughs> anyway, I um, don't have a lot to say because we just want to get these episodes out. But uh, So uh, I guess I won't say anything more. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. Go fast, take chances, peace out, and... Uh, See, when I get back, although you'll be able to follow me along, I'll have the spot tracker and all that kind of good stuff. So, anyway, thanks for listening. Bye. Chad Spence speaking. Chad, this is Randy. Hey, Randy, how are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm not too bad. Good. <laughs> this is pretty funny because, uh, I did an interview two days ago, and it took like 15 minutes before we were connected. So, oh, really? <laughs> Some sometimes connecting to a landline is uh, way easier than, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd better just uh, stick with the landline to avoid any issues. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it always eventually works, but yeah, it, it it's it sounds good too. There is that part. It sounds sometimes sounds better than you know, anything else. So thank you. Right. Oh, gladly. Yeah. Um, okay. First question. What do you think is the real underlying reason for Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> Can't help oh, you there. I, I told you you'd be able to answer everything mostly. <laughs> I knew you'd throw some curveballs at me. <laughs> So, okay, enough of the horseplay. So, um, all right, so me and you go back about 18 months to Belize. Is that like 18 months ago? Seems like a long yeah. time. I feel like so, I've known you longer, but, but okay. definitely, yeah. Uh, so um, where were you before that? Where were you before you came into my life? <laughs> Well, I've been uh, adventure racing for uh, quite a few years now. I mm -hmm. think I would date back to 2003-ish when I started adventure racing, kind of on the local scene in Ontario mm -hmm. here. Um, and then it's probably what around 2008, 2009, I did my first expedition race, uh, Tierra Viva down in Argentina. And then kind of from there, I tried to do, you know, one or two when I could, um, wherever I could. So, so you're really old school. I, yeah, I've been around a while now. Yeah. <laughs> does, it, does it feel like you've been racing like 15, 16 years? You know, it does. Uh, yeah, in some respects, I feel like... Uh, uh, you know, I've kind of learned a few of the lessons the hard way. Some of them I, I still uh, 
continue to make the same mistakes race after race. But, but, uh, in other respects, I feel like I've been there, done that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So what, um, what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself in 2008 for your first expedition? (laughs) Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, I, I, there's a few things I've been thinking about, uh, since, the last race I did, the, the Nordic Islands race the last, mm-hmm. last month. Um, and these are kind of the really no-brainer ones, but time and time again, they, they come to, to bear. It's like protect your feet. Uh, race after race, my feet have uh, been beat up. I think some people just are uh, naturally blessed with uh, tougher feet. Uh, than me, um, so mine have gotten torn up pretty good in many races, uh, and we all, uh, all my teammates suffered from uh, beat up feet in, in this latest race. Uh, um, so I guess that's one thing I would reiterate to myself, and, and mm-hmm. kind of part and parcel to that would be to uh, travel light, light as you can. Um, yeah, thinking back uh, on, again, just my most recent race, there were things that I was carrying around that uh, I really didn't need to be. I mean, water, for one thing, was everywhere on that course. You wouldn't go an hour without crossing a, a beautiful stream or river that you could get water from. So there was really no need to be carrying any significant amount of water. Um, yeah, did things like that travel light protect your feet <laughs> yeah well are you to the point that you're that now that it's like um well yeah it'd be nice to take this jacket with me but i, I i'm not gonna i'm not gonna freeze to death if i don't happen i'm just gonna be a little miserable yeah yeah that's right um although it, i still managed to spook myself out about uh this latest race you know they were talking about uh I think snow just the the month before the race up in the mountains in uh Norway and uh so I I did have my heavier jacket probably would have been fine with my lightest one and I carried an extra layer of warmth that <laughs> I would have been fine without and as you say could have uh could have been a little bit uncomfortable but um a, a lot lighter on my feet so yeah do you um <laughs> dumb question of course for me when you have something that's a little heavier do you use it thinking well i brought this i better use it <laughs> no I, yeah uh, i would say rarely rarely do i you know it, it, it isn't until i get to the end of the stage and i start digging out some of the things that i don't need for for the the next stage out of my bag and kind of shake my head up like why was I carrying this and <laughs> even in one of the stages we we ended up sleeping uh in an outhouse um and, and so it, it was like half a mile down the road from the transition area and uh, we packed up our sleeping gear and I had a sleeping mattress that I forgot to take out before we started the next stage so mm-hmm. for the next 40k of trekking I had you know like a I don't know if it was a pound or pound and a half uh, blow-up mattress that I was lugging around and cursing about that. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. It's, it's like, well, I'll use it when we sleep. And then you don't get to sleep. Right. <laughs> so what, what was it about? Why did you start back in the golden age? Yeah, well, I guess I would have considered myself a, a rugby player back in my school days, but uh, it was gradually taking a, a toll on my body <laughs> that uh, I knew I wasn't going to be able to keep up that sport for many more years. And I, I've always liked, uh, you know, biking. And, and I actually have an, an orienteering background that goes right back to my childhood Uh I, I used to do many races. There was quite a uh, strong, I guess, family orienteering scene uh, in Ontario. So we traveled around, you know, in the summer weekends to, to various races, really across Canada, uh, in fact. Uh, so I had that navigational background. And then when I kind of learned about adventure racing, I thought it blended many of the things that I like to do so yeah it was a natural fit so when you were doing orienteering with the family was it um were you ready to go or was it uh, do i have to go this weekend oh i loved it yeah no i loved every part of it Mm -hmm. yeah we had uh you know a good bunch of uh friends that we would see at each race and uh um, the, the races were always well run and in neat places to explore so yeah i i really love that as part of my childhood the the scene has somewhat died off around here uh there's a few races um but certainly not as many as there were back uh you know 30 years ago when i was a a child so i've tried to get my boys out and involved where we can but um yeah the races are rather few and far between that's too bad that that went away for you but how do you how do you learn when you're young? Do your mom and dad take you out and you follow along, or you know what's what's the process of learning when you're a kid? Yeah, well, I guess if I went right back to my beginning, uh, I don't recall how old I was, but they they had in fact what they call string courses. So you would follow the map, but there was also a, a string laid out for for the kids, the the brand new right. beginners. <laughs> And then there was just a, an excellent progression. They called it the white course for, and the course was entirely on trails. And um, yeah, in, in many cases, your your parent would just kind of tag along behind you and, you know, let you make a few mistakes and but not get too lost. And uh-huh. yeah, so it kind of worked that way. That's very cool. So... Um... Is navigation like a language? When you pick it up young, you just you get pretty fluent at it and um, kind of stays with you forever. Yeah, I would say there there definitely is some of that. Um, uh, yeah, it definitely does feel somewhat second nature uh, to me. Uh, that said, I've had <laughs> plenty of navigational issues over the yeah. years and uh, head scratchers and. Uh, as I look back on my my route choices and things like that, but um, but yeah, the the basics uh, have come uh, fairly easily, and uh, I know for those that have started later in life, uh, it, it's been a, a more painful experience to to pick up for sure. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's from my experience. So, um, 
I've only ever had this happen to me a couple of times where I'm I'm out somewhere and I look at a map and look out and it absolutely totally makes sense. It's like you could be looking at at the map but you're is the same as looking actually out at it. it right. It, I mean, is that how it works for you? Do you just see the train on the map and and or how do you uh I mean, how does it work for a good navigator? Yeah, that's a uh, a, a good question. Yeah, I, when things are going well and, and uh, <laughs> you are connecting with the map, then, then ideally that that's right. Uh, what you see in front of you, you can translate back to uh, what's on the map. Um, but there again, uh, that can create issues at, at, at times. Some of my biggest navigational issues that you know I had a, a visualization of what I was expecting to see whether you know, a certain waypoint and how it might look and uh, when it doesn't materialize that way and I end up going kilometers past that that uh, waypoint, then, uh, um, yeah, certainly issues can come up that way. But, but yeah, ideally, um, what you see on the map, if you can translate that to what's around you and, uh, and be checking off, um, you know, uh, various markers on the map that as you go along then that's great yeah do you have to um say on on foot nav do you have to keep do you have to thumb the map to know where you're at all the time or are you a little you know you can kind of keep an eye on it and and know yeah no i i don't necessarily keep my thumb uh where i where i'm at on the map but um it's always on my mind when I'm navigating uh, how I'm proceeding along that map. So as I look back to it, uh, usually anyway, um, I can I can get right back to it to where we are and and that next uh, landmark, the next feature that I'm looking for uh, as we move along. Yeah. So if you're um, you're leading nav and say something like Nordic Island, which seemed to have been fairly intense navigation how how long can you go and be confident before you need to take a, a mental break um yeah I, I guess that really really varies for me depending on uh my my physical condition and how tired i am and things like that um, um but i i had uh strong teammates uh for for the the nordic race that uh, were confident with their navigation we had uh got the the two sets of maps so i had that uh backup support as well um so yeah i i think it really really varies there um but uh if there's and in many cases there are you know when you're out in the uh alpine and you have to climb over a pass or certain things like that or uh, around a mountain you can go for long stretches and uh even visually w- with all the the daylight hours that we had in norway uh you can see for a long distance tracking anyway where you need to be and and don't need to check in with the map that that frequently yeah. do you kind of enjoy that when you can sort of kick back and sort of put it on autopilot yeah, just concent- absolutely. Concentrate on how bad your feet hurt. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is nice to be able to shut the brain off for a while. Focus so on looking how after did, yourself. Yeah. How did you handle the basically 24 hours of daylight? Yeah, you know what? It, it really didn't affect me um, too much at all. I, I, I guess it it certainly helped from a navigational perspective, not having to deal with uh, those dark hours. I think, uh, I guess in particular, the, the trekking stages where, you know, even in the, the middle of the night, really, we had enough visibility to see the the land formations and things like that so uh i don't even think i brought out um my headlamp uh, the first night in the mountains and a, and a few others um it was really only if we were in a treed area that you know sort of the dark would uh enshroud you in in those couple of hours of, of um that the sun was actually down um so yeah it, it certainly helped but but in terms of like um you know, being able to sleep, uh, I would say after day three, uh, whenever we um, tried to sleep, none of us had any issue sleeping. We were dead exhausted, and and whether it was full light of day or, or um, you know, dusk, it, it really didn't matter. We had no trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after a while, it's just like I'm. <laughs> we're gonna sit down. Okay, I'll be sleeping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Head hits the ground, and we're out. <laughs> um. So in a normal race where you have darkness, how do you how do you base your sleep strategy? Do you do it at at you know we're going to sleep in the dark, we're going to sleep in the day, we're going to sleep when we're lost and we don't know where we're going, or how do you how do you what's the strategy before you start? Yeah, good. And say like an expedition race. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think it varies from race to race, uh, and, and depending on the teammates. Uh, I actually don't usually make those calls for um, the teams that I, I've been on, um, but I'm fairly flexible in that regard. But I, I would say typically anyway, we, we plan not to sleep the, the first night and then yeah. be good and tired the second night. But um, um, I guess it's a little easier to fall asleep uh in the night but for example in races like expedition oregon where it was freezing cold like below zero um i i would actually prefer to sleep in the day because you just uh you know uh, lay there and shiver when it gets down to those temperatures and yeah yeah. so what do you think about um are you a fan of dark zones in races well I mean, sometimes I we I have say, to. We understand that, but yeah, yeah. Generally, I would say no. I, mm-hmm. uh, it would be nice just to uh, be able to make those calls of when when you stop and when you don't, and and not have it imposed on you by the race. But yeah, I guess again, coming back to Expedition Oregon, that that one time where there was a dark zone ahead of the uh, pack raft, mm-hmm. the whitewater pack rafting that we we did sort of mid race. It, it was kind of neat that that dark zone was pretty effective at bringing uh, the top teams back together uh, and, and made for uh, quite an exciting ensuing day of uh, racing sort of head-to-head there again for a while. Yeah. Do you um, – so I mean, is it kind of a bummer, though, when you've you know, pushed and pushed and pushed and got this big lead or, you know, you, you've, you've done all this and then all of a sudden everybody's together again? 
or is yeah. it, or is it fun to be racing again? Well, yeah, no, I I, I would say both. Certainly, when uh, um, we got into that dark zone ahead, I, I did kind of have that feeling that you described. You know, like we, we worked hard to get ahead, and we're, we're sort of losing that reward. But uh, uh, at least in that case, I think it did actually eventually pay dividends, and that we got you know an hour or two more sleep than some of the later teams, and and, and I think that did help us towards the end of the race because no one really slept uh much if at all after that point um yeah, yeah so i, I know it's, some of the teams were hurting pretty bad by the time they got to the finish line yeah um so let's okay hypothetical situation sort of let's say you you um you got a race you got a dark zone you come in and it's not, it's not freezing cold so you actually might get some sleep how hard is it to get everything ready before you sleep or do you <laughs> sleep and then get everything ready well yeah that, that that's a good question uh I, I think it's preferable to uh well i guess it depends how how wrecked you are when you come into that uh, transition um yeah. i think it's preferable to, to get things lined up I, I i know that one key dark zone uh that that we stopped at um we what did we do i guess we reset our bags um and, and laid a few things out but we didn't blow up the pack rafts ahead of time uh before we slept uh, and then um when the the dark zone was lifted we weren't ready to go it took us longer to get the pack rafts open up and ready uh and, and ben racing kind of passed us at that point in time because they had set up their pack rafts and were completely ready to go before they slept. So, um, yeah, I, I guess, again, it, like my, many things, it's sort of situational, but uh, preferably if you can get things done ahead of time, uh, you can avoid a few issues. Issues. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, right. so let's, let's go back a little way. So you've adventured a race for five or six years. Why, um, what was what was the motivation then to do an expedition? Just just the next logical step. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I guess the, before that step, I I uh, was asked to to try a few twenty uh, four hour races um, by by a few friends in the the racing community. So um, I guess that was the first step, and, and uh, I love that challenge. Um, and, and so, yeah, just moving to then a multi-day race, um, that, that was just the, sort of the next challenge, the next progression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd say the next logical progression, but it's logic has nothing to do with adventure racing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, um, so since I've known you, you've been on three different teams. Have you always, uh, kind of, you know, floated between teams or have you had a, a steady steady team for part of the time yeah uh well i've certainly uh, raced with quite a number of people over the years um i, I do have one teammate uh vince trudell who i've raced with for for many years probably at least 10 years uh and, and we've done races all through the the states and canada together and, and picked up teammates um 
where, where needed. And, and then more recently with uh, Chris Logren, who who you know, mm-hmm. I've done many races with. But but aside from that, if there are other sort of gaps in my schedule and those guys can't race, then uh, I have taken the opportunity on a few occasions to sort of jump on board with um, uh, other teams where that opportunity has presented itself. And yeah. yeah, it's worked out quite well. Do you have a problem, you know, jumping in? Like when you race with Bones, I mean, they're, you know, pretty established and, the, you know, they kind of kind of sort of know each other. Do you fit in right away, do you feel? Yeah, in some, in some respects. So, like, I, I kind of know uh, if I were to jump on a, a team like that, that um, <laughs> my role is going to be just to, to try and hang on, um, that I – much of the decision making and uh, sort of the the strategy and, and things like that, uh, I did help out the the, the navigation uh, in some respects. But uh, yeah, when I'm with a team that that's that strong, I, I just tend to be uh, rather quiet and just try and uh, <laughs> hang on to their pace and and go with their flow. You you you're telling me you're rather quiet. The guy that I've been <laughs> after for like eighteen months, <laughs> yeah, and finally shamed you into being on. So how did <laughs> so how did the the Belize with Bones come about? Yeah, actually, uh, it was Roy Malone that was uh, reaching out looking for one more teammate, and he uh, reached out to a friend of mine, Pete Cameron. Uh, and Pete, mm-hmm. I guess, because of other commitments, wasn't able to race. So, but he he uh, offered to, to Roy my name, and then Roy just reached out to me from there, and uh, uh, it just sounded like such a great opportunity. Um, I couldn't say no. Yeah, yeah, the race with uh, I don't know, really one of the old school teams now. Yeah, yeah, they so, certainly are. Yeah. yeah. It goes back to the Eco Challenge days, uh, Roy. And... Yeah, go back there. So, um, are are you just since since we mentioned it? Do you wish you were going to be racing next month? <laughs> yeah, I'd be lying if I say it, uh, that I that I didn't wish I was there. I, I yeah. would love to do that race. Yeah, yeah. I, and and we did apply at Chris and Julie and. Uh, um, myself and uh actually my wife meredith we we put in an application but uh we weren't successful this time around yeah i it are you glad to see the quality of teams that they picked um you know it's i would think as a racer you would be happy to know that oh they picked real real racers and i didn't get beat by uh you know <laughs> uh, you know the the fireman's team from los angeles Right. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, there, there's uh, a lot of uh, super high caliber and established teams. So, uh, yeah, um, I, it wasn't unexpected that we the, we weren't yeah. selected, but uh, I'd be lying if I said we weren't disappointed anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. is there just a little bit of either like, oh, God, good, we don't have to go? absolutely yeah you're right i I think i would be sweating it right now if i was uh had that race in front of me i I think it's going to be a 
quite a monumental race and a huge yeah. challenge in that uh, terrain. Absolutely. So, yeah, well, yeah. It, well, of course, you know, the really hard part about that race is now we're all going to have to wait like six months. Well, exactly. Yeah. So they've and, confirmed like no live tracking, I suppose. Is that right? Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So I don't know if there'll be absolutely no coverage, you know, mm-hmm. no, you know, which I, I, and I don't know if that would, to me, it seemed like, uh, you know, why not, why not build, build it up? You know, people, even if they know who wins, it's not like, it's not like you don't know how they won. So. Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. But then again, I'm not a, I don't have a problem with spoiler alerts in movies because sometimes it's fun to, you know, well, I know this guy's going to die, but I wonder how when you're watching right. a movie. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But, so do uh, I understand correctly that you're you're going to be there in Fiji? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I had some conversations, but it's like, what, you know, if I went, all you'd be is a cameraman sitting in the jungle someplace waiting. So, and right. then I had, I actually had an opportunity to definitely. So I, I leave for Iceland in two weeks. So oh, nice. I'm going to go there and and shoot a six day run, and then I'm going with a friend of mine. And then when he leaves, Paulette's flying in, and so we rented a van for ten days. Oh, awesome! And, and First then, time to Iceland. Yep. And then I get home, and then scheduled but not confirmed is um going to the netherlands with team canada for motocross donations motorcycle oh, really? racing yeah so, oh very cool i did some work in a video film form eight years ago seven years ago so so but nice. i don't have a plane ticket yet so i never say i'm going till i see a plane ticket all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen some of your recent Facebook posts of uh, the motocross racing that's going on in Sturgis. That looks pretty yeah. neat. And, and that's why I've been going up there. It's like, well, I might be shooting some bikes, so I should probably, you know, they move a little bit faster than adventure racers. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. <laughs> we're working on, we'll do that. So I'll actually uh, be up there again tomorrow night, I think. Well, as long as it's not going to rain, because no use going if it gets rained out. But so, anyway. yeah. Um, so Belize, and then Oregon. Talk to me about Oregon, because I had a really good time. Did you guys have a good time? Yeah, I had a really good time too. Uh, I thought that was just an excellent race that uh, the the Bend Racing Team had put on there. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'd never been uh, to that part of uh, the country before, and, and I was just uh, blown away by uh, everything that it had to offer. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that race, uh, and, and I was fortunate to, there to get on a, a, a strong and uh, great team with the Casirias on, on Quest and uh, mm-hmm. Jason Papilski. Uh, I hadn't met any of them uh, before before this race, but uh, somewhat last minute they were looking for a teammate, so I, I put my hand up and, and jumped on board with them. So, uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun there. How um, how hard did you guys race? I, that's kind of a dumb question because you obviously were racing. But, I mean, for you, was it 
how hard was it? Yeah, it it was hard for me again because I would say I was the weakest athlete uh on that team similar to the the bones situation. So like the the first day where we were up in the mountains in the snow uh snowshoeing, you know, up over a few peaks and um I I remember thinking that, like I am absolutely redlining it here. Um and there's no way I'm going to be able to keep this pace. And I just, you know, these thoughts rolling through my head that uh, <laughs> I was going to crash and, and burn very, very soon. Um, uh, but but we got through that stage and, and I guess the, the pace, you know, um, leveled off a bit. And um, and they were they were great in, in uh, helping me along. So I. I, I kind of got the sense that well I, I know for a fact that they could have gone even faster than than we did. I, uh, Jason makes it look very effortless, and, and so did uh, Dusty and Emily. But um, but yeah, no, I, everything went s- smoothly. Uh, Dusty did the navigation there, so I just had to focus on you know uh, putting one foot in front of the other and, and keep moving as fast as I could, uh, which was kind of nice and not having that uh, you know navigational responsibility for for once um so yeah no it was a it was a great experience cool so did you which did you do the lead climb or the top rope we did the top rope yeah okay. uh dusty and emily are are very experienced uh climbers mm-hmm. and so they were more than uh willing to do that part and uh jason and i were more than willing to to uh, just do the top rope stuff. So what what was it like? Because quite honestly, we didn't get over to that to the top rope part. Because you know, timing is everything. And when we you know pull up there to shoot, we had like six teams in like five hours come through over there. So, right. So what was like? Because I'm going to assume you're not a, a real sport climber. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, you know, I've done a very relatively small amount of climbing, um, uh, you know, um, been to the local climbing gym several times and that, but, yeah. but wouldn't consider myself a climber by any stretch. And, and so it, it was actually the middle of the night when we were there and I didn't really, um, even have a full appreciation of the, the surroundings and, the, um, the climb that was before us, um, That's- but uh i found it actually quite challenging um i i was physically pretty wrecked when we got there mm-hmm. uh we we were pushing a, a pretty strong pace on the bikes leading into that area and i just felt physically weak and so i i think the if i recall correctly the climb that we did was rated like only 57 or 58 which normally shouldn't be too much of a challenge for me, but uh, I spent quite a bit of time on that wall, uh, just sort of gathering strength to to, to finish the climb. So uh, it was a good challenge. Yeah, I, I really liked that element put into the race and uh, hope they do it again. Yeah, we really, well, we really enjoyed watching it. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, makes, it makes great media. So, yeah, yeah, it would, yeah. Bring it on. Um were you guys – well, I shouldn't say you guys, but were you surprised by that last bike section? Um, just because I – you know, at one point in the briefing, Jason said, yeah, it's just a bike ride to the finish. 
<laughs> and it was <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it, it was challenging uh, down in the desert there with uh, really sandy terrain and, and trails that were very vague, and um, more trails, you know, out there on the on the course than than marked uh, on the maps. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, well, I, I think we all worked quite well, um, sort of helping Dusty through that that uh, navigational part and uh we were just excited to get to the, to the finish line so we we had no problem with uh keeping the the, the pace up and uh, pushing through that stage but it, yeah it wasn't straightforward by any stretch yeah that's what i've heard well <laughs> that's what i've heard and that's what i experienced sitting there for three hours with bones like a mile away <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> and they just never got there Eventually yeah they did yeah, but I mean, you know, I know what you're saying. You're out there, and it's Bureau of Land Management, BLM land, and, and it's basically open. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there are some roads in quotation marks, but four-wheelers and four-wheel trucks and everything can just go everywhere. So there's, yeah, a gazillion trails. Well, that's right, yeah, and it was relatively flat through that part, so there wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot of terrain to, uh, you know, um, identify yourself on the map where you yeah. were. Yeah, I could be a real nightmare if you you uh, lose track of where you were. Exactly. Yeah, which I think was a challenge that that Bones had. They sort of uh, couldn't locate themselves at, at one point and had a real challenge relocating. Yeah. Yep. Back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very. There. It's, I mean, it's really frustrating when it's you, but it's also really frustrating when you're sitting there and you and you, you you've got good tracking for once. And you're just watching them, and you're just like, "Dude, just just come a little closer." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, what's it like when you win a? What's it feel like when you win a expedition adventure race? Oh, it's a great feeling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I here's a, here's a better question. Do you mm-hmm. feel like? Um, You've won, you're a winner or the team won, and I don't know if there's really a difference, but yeah, no, I I, I would definitely say it's the the latter. Uh, I I know for a fact that um, well, without the team that I was uh, on, I wouldn't be able to to move as quickly as we we did through through the course and or you know. Um, have that uh support as you as you go through so uh, absolutely it's a it's a team win in adventure racing um so that's definitely a a great feeling that to to be able to share that experience yeah yeah very it would be very cool to do that um so you know you've been racing with some really really fast teams and you're not having a problem so you know i think you're a little faster than you think you are (laughs) (laughs) Well, <laughs> I, so, yeah, well, I, I certainly uh, was I know. Uh, pushed to the limits out there, but yeah. Yeah, well, and I, <laughs> everybody you're going to talk to is going to say that too, so I True. think, you know, you do. So um, talk to me a little bit about the, the Nordic Islands. Why, um, you know, why, what was what was your uh, goal in the race? What what intrigued you about it? Why did you end up over there? Yeah, well, um, I, I guess the uh, 
the the scenery um, that Norway had to offer, um, the the pictures that that uh, Stefan and his team were putting out onto Facebook was a huge appeal. Um, I just really wanted to see that part of the world, um, and I had uh, you know. Uh, a few other teammates that were, that were as keen as I was to to uh, visit Norway and, and Sweden. So uh, we we were definitely uh, very interested and in, and in signed up for that. Um, and it, it was a big race, so it was a little daunting in that respect. I think it was originally five days and then expanded to uh, six days that the course would be open. So it was a little daunting. Uh, uh, in, in that respect, um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it was it was an amazing race. Do you? Um, I mean, you guys, you guys full course. Do you? Do you, <laughs> do you feel like? Um, I don't want to say mission accomplished, but do you? Do you? Do you feel good about your race, even though it was yeah. really, really hard? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, obviously, we weren't up there competing with uh, the likes of uh, the Swedish Armed Forces or or any of the, uh, the, the top three teams. And, um, and if you ask me, like, after the first couple of stages, whether I thought we could hang with, you know, maybe even the, the third place French team I, uh, I, or, or try and chase down the Hamilton team, uh, I kind of thought that maybe we could, but... Um, Sort of uh, by midway through the race, I, I kind of uh, recognized that that uh, we had a new reality, and that was that we we needed to just focus on <laughs> ourselves and, and getting ourselves through this race uh, um, because uh, our bodies were getting beat up pretty bad. And um, yeah, so uh, after kind of coming to that uh, reality, I. I felt that we held together really well as a team. Uh, we faced a lot of adversity out there. Um, so getting through the full course uh, was a huge accomplishment. I, um, yeah, I couldn't be happier with the result, really, even though we were days behind the leaders. <laughs> well, hey, still full course. You know, yeah. You're still, you're still fifth place, right? Yeah, that's right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you talk about the reality is that basically you're 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 not racing for placing. You're you're racing to finish. Is that like a literal? I mean, do you do you like stop and say yes? This is what we're going to do now. And do you talk about it as a team? You know what? There really wasn't any real uh, discussion about that. It, it sort of just was a, a gradual transformation. It, and to be honest, I, even at the start, I wasn't really thinking, "Oh, uh, um, we need to be chasing these top teams." But we were certainly in, in that racing mentality um, for the first few stages uh, of the race, trying to push uh, quite hard. But then. Um, yeah, it was sort of in the middle of the race that uh, we realized that uh, we had to balance that with uh, protecting our, our feet and our bodies uh, to make sure that we didn't uh, have to quit at some point before the end of the race. Yeah, I understand. 
Is there um, or when can you start thinking about the finish in a race like that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, right? You can't you can't on day two start thinking about it. But is is there a point where you start thinking that? No, we're probably gonna we're probably gonna make this, and and does it get a little more fun then? Yeah, well, it was. Um, I, I really didn't uh, let myself get too far ahead, you know, to the end of the race until probably I was in the second to last stage, the the trek. Mm-hmm. Um, it could kind of feel like, oh, if we could just finally get off our feet and get in those kayaks, that that we could. <laughs> make our way to the finish line from there. Um, and, and so I kind of felt uh, a degree of relief, even though the Aussies whizzed past us uh, on the downhill off that last mountain. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess it was in that second to last stage. Um, that said, it, <laughs> the last stage ended up probably being one of my toughest ones. I just physically bonked on, on that kayak um everyone was quite anxious to just you know when we got in that last transition area to just grab what we needed and and get in those kayaks and get ourselves to the finish line mm-hmm. um but i i think i didn't really fully appreciate how exhausted i was and when we turned the first corner into the fjords and the winds were directly into our face and the the, the waves were up and um I looked over at the shore and we were just hardly making any progress against these waves. I was like, Oh my God, I'm not sure I can do this. <laughs> uh, and we had I guess, 40 some odd kilometers uh, to go. So that, that was a little daunting, but uh, yeah, we pushed through it. Uh, they, they, uh, Chris and Vince gave us a toe and, and we, and we got through it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that can be kind of, kind of um, misleading when you think, yeah. Oh, geez. We're we're on the last we're on the last stage and it's forty kilometers of kayaking. Yeah. <laughs> so that can that can make it up for you. Um, so I got to ask you because I don't do this all the time, but what's what's your best and worst six hours of racing ever? Wow. Um, hmm. I would have to think about that. Uh, I, I can think that that one really tough. Um, oh, I, I guess I got a few <laughs> rough ones, um, but uh, I, yeah, maybe I'll mention the the Wyoming, the World Championships, when we were out on this that really long uh, bike stage in the middle of the race uh, yep. out in the desert there, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, we we decided to put our heads down for 15 minutes of sleep, um, and, and we woke up. And I think I didn't remember where I, I was on the map, and it was sort of a featureless uh, desert area. Yeah. Um, and I blew right past a checkpoint, like um, I'm talking 45 minutes past the checkpoint mm-hmm. on, on this sandy road. Um, it, you know, nearing the end of a bike leg that all of us are are just dying to get off our bikes, and, and then to k- slowly come to that realization that I've <laughs> I've done this, and, and then the slow uh, walk back through this sand uh, that that was a pretty low uh, point yeah. for me actually. Yeah, um, 
yeah, it's tough, right? When you're the navigator, there's not really um, anyone yeah. to, to share that load when you're the only one <laughs> with, the, yeah. with the map. But, uh, yeah. But anyway, we got through that. We, we finished it. And, yeah, so that was definitely when, a low one. All right. I got a question of that. Then you can think, be thinking about your best one. But when that happens, are, are you maybe worse, the worst person to you? Are your teammates fairly supportive? <laughs> I mean, obviously there's going to be some stuff, but are you the one beating yourself up? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just the, uh, the internal, uh, voices in, in your head that are just sort of beating you up worse than, than your teammates. And no, my yeah. teammates have been great. Uh, I think yeah. they un- fully appreciate the, the challenges that come with being a navigator and, yeah. um, the burden we bear so yeah no it, it is brought on mostly by myself <laughs> as as well it should be <laughs> yeah all right so best six hours yeah yeah um so that best six hours geez there again there's been lots but one uh, i i do remember was um yeah it was a tough six hours but um when we got through that really tough uh, jungle trek in Belize um, and, and got to the transition area and found out that we were leading the race at that point, uh, that the teams behind us were struggling to get out of the jungle. Uh, and, and then that it was, it was probably a five hour, well, maybe it was a little bit less, the, the bike ride, the following bike ride stage that was into uh, what would end up being a, a dark zone that we didn't beat. Um, but we really hammered, uh, that next bike stage at, at a pace that <laughs> was, uh, better than I, I expected that, that we could pull off, um, that, that far into the race. And, and that was, that felt pretty cool to have, uh, got through that. And then I guess the ensuing hours at this beautiful resort in the middle of the Belize jungle, um, where they had hot food, all, all you could eat, um, and uh, we were able to sleep <laughs> yeah. just in this jungle paradise. That, that that was pretty cool before we had to, you know, the next day to finish the race in a relatively relaxed format. So that that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's a good one. So You, you were there. Pass, <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to say you do pass the adventure racer test because probably 90% of adventure racers immediately know the worst six hours <laughs> and they have to think about the best. So, right. <laughs> but, um, is it, um, so like you've done, you know, a big major race, you know, Nordic islands in July. Um, what do you, what do you do for the rest of the year? Yeah. Well, um, my, I can tell you, my wife's hoping that I do not much more for, yeah. for the rest of the year, <laughs> and I think that she'll probably win out. But I, I mean, this weekend I have, a, I think it's like a, a one-day adventure race I'm doing up on the the Bruce Peninsula. I try and do it every year. It's a lot of fun uh, and, and quite beautiful up there, and relatively close to where I live. Uh, and then uh, at the end of the month, uh, joining Chris Logren and a, a few others to do uh, Wilderness Traverse, which is our um, 
I guess, biggest and best 24-hour race uh, here in Canada. Uh, always a great um, challenge. Uh, so I, I didn't want to miss that one again this year. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, it's kind of the Canadian National Championships. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you're all there. But beyond um, that, I haven't really uh, thought. Uh, certainly, no no other big races on the schedule at the moment. Although I heard uh, that um, they've decided to do Expedition Oregon again next year. They were originally talking about maybe taking a year off. Yeah, it's um, up on the website. They're going yeah. a little bit east. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Like about two days ago, I I saw something, and I like send Jason a message that says. I know you're busy right now, but let's talk when you get back. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's really good uh, time there. And I and and quite honestly, we heard from a lot of people that really really uh, liked the coverage of the race. So, mm-hmm. a, yeah, a, I heard the good, same. Yeah, good team of people. So it's like, let's keep us all together. <laughs> right. So yeah, that would be great. No, I yeah. I fully expect that race to be. Uh, very well attended uh next year so that would be a fun one to try and make yeah do you, is it is it hard when like you can only do like one or two races of your chosen sport a year <laughs> uh yeah I, it is I, it would be nice to uh be a professional adventure racer and and do many of these races i I think although uh i must admit after if you do them too frequently uh i find that some of my ambition does wear off so there is a balance there um and and for me realistically you know with the busy family life and two young boys it's sort of that one to two expedition races a year is realistically all that I can squeeze in. Well, realistically, it's all anybody can squeeze in. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, but are you like me? Like you you mentioned expedition Oregon as an example. And before you know it, it's like, wow, it's time to pack. Mm -hmm. Or does it, you know, does it seem... Does it take as long as Christmas to get here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that depends. I, definitely, the races in the spring, those pop up on me uh, quite quickly. Yeah. Have a somewhat uh, lazy winter uh, here mm-hmm. in Canada. I do anyway. Yeah. Um, but then the ones that are sort of at the end of the summer and you have all summer that with no excuse not to get out there and, and train hard, those, those can take a while to come. <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. So, um, I don't have anything else. All right. See, see this wasn't so bad, was it? Yeah, no, you're right. That wasn't too painful. Uh, <laughs> so, definitely I, had to I will my say you're... Home, but. Yeah, you're not, I mean, it's kind of funny to me, I guess, obviously I'm used to it, but when people are a little like, well, I don't, what do I have to say? Nobody wants to know what I want to say. And it's like, you guys are all so interesting. (laughs) And uh, and a a lot of people listen to them and learn. Oh, good, yeah. There's that part too, which does sort of surprise me sometimes when people say, 
oh, I, I listen to the podcast and, you know, I've learned so much. And I'm like, well, not from me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is nice to hear. And, yeah, no, I just uh... – uh, you know, I've come to really uh, appreciate all you've done for our sport, you know, as an ambassador. So I, I kind of felt guilty uh, <laughs> not not accepting uh, your offer for this interview. So, yeah, yeah thank I you. I knew I'd get you. There are, it is funny, though, because I get people that say, oh, yeah, it'd be great. And then, like, time to do the interview and they're nowhere to be found. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you showed up on time and uh, ready to go. So I appreciate it. Oh, glad to. All right. So, um, so it's, uh, what is it? Six thirty there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Going to go get a workout in or go home and do family stuff. I'm going to bike home. Uh, Yeah, actually my, my boys are off at uh, summer camp. So I got a a free evening here tonight. Maybe get out for a ride. Cool. Well, and I have a dog that's being healthy again, so we get to go for a hike. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good. So, our usual. Well, enjoy the, re- enjoy the rest of your summer, Randy, and have a great time over in Iceland. I look forward to hearing about your uh, travels over there. Yeah, we will probably. I'll, I'll probably take a picture or two, so. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for the call. It's been great. Gladly. Thank All you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye